The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. That's right. Yes, indeed. This is the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Hey, if you are an author and you just wrote perhaps your first book, perhaps it's your eighth book, uh, and you're looking for a way to share this news, this uh, book uh, you created with you know people outside your immediate circle of family and friends, and you're trying to figure out how to spread the word, reach out to me. Contact me either through social media on Facebook or Twitter. The show has a presence there on Facebook and Twitter. It's just the Sample Chapter Podcast. Or, of course, you can reach out to me by email at samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com and let me know that you're interested in coming on the show. Or maybe you know somebody that you think I should talk to and uh, that, that you'd like to have on here. Or maybe you just have a recommendation. Then uh, email me at samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com and let me know what you think. I, I would love to hear from you. I have already have some wonderful emails from people who follow up with me and, and uh, reach out to me on a regular basis. And, you know, God bless you all. You guys are wonderful. I love hearing from all of you all over the world. I'm so happy to hear that uh, some of our listeners in uh, faraway lands are doing well. And I hope that you are too. I hope that you, I hope that this episode finds you doing well and staying healthy and, uh, you know, hunkering down at home social distancing for this little bit of time that we have to uh, to do this. We're going to flatten out the curve and then, uh, you know, we'll come out on the other end of this and we'll all be better together. So yeah, you know, every week I try to bring you um, an introduction to an author that you may or may not have heard of. You know, you may or may not know or have read of. And, you know, Oh my goodness, this week, I'm, I'm just, I'm so excited because everything that this author has to offer, I think is something really, really wonderful. Uh, my guest is Jay Wilburn. And, you know, you may have heard Jay, uh, maybe through his podcast, the Matters of Faith podcast, uh, which is just an incredible show, such an incredible show. Uh, we talk about that here on the episode. Uh, you may have also read Jay Wilbur before because he's he's a very talented author writing in genres like fantasy, young adult, zombie, thrillers. Uh, he, coming up, he's going to be writing for Crystal Lake Publishing. The amazing thing with Jay is that he has books that have been up for Splatterpunk Awards, and yet also he has a young adult series that's often been compared to Goosebumps. <laughs> and he is one of the most humble, most kind people you've ever met. And he is never at a loss for words when it comes to recommending somebody else's book. This is this is a real treat. You are really in for something special with uh, with Jay, and uh, you know we're gonna have all that and so much more coming up here in just a few moments. So me, my news, uh, not a whole lot really. Um, <laughs> Trying not to get frustrated. It's, uh, you know, in spite of everything that's going on, I know that uh, so many of you are uh, staying home and not being able to work, and uh, my heart really goes out to you. 
I'm on the other end of that spectrum. Uh, I am still working, uh, not in my office anymore, which is kind of nice. You know, it's I get to I'm getting to work outside again. I'm getting to do more physical work. So you know, physically that's been kind of exciting to do something uh, a little taxing, and and uh, I've been feeling good that way. But man, that's really taking a toll on my writing time. Uh, ironically, I did have a day last week where I spent first half of the day doing some writing and I put in, I think around 2,500 words, doing a lot of editing on, uh, my new novel, novel idea. That's, uh, I, you know, at this point, I just, I don't know when it's coming. And that, that's, <laughs> that was the point of my story was that I'm, I'm really frustrated. I'm trying not to be too frustrated. I'm trying to get this book done, the, uh, the editing on it. And it's just amazing how much everything else is popping up and in the way and you know i guess on the bright side it'll be done when it gets done and it's gonna come out very very soon i just uh you know i i hoped it i <laughs> i had tried to get this out as far back as october um you know it's been it's been this long that i've been working on it but uh yeah, I guess on the bright side, I'm I'm really excited about. I'm, I'm very very happy with the most recent chapter I edited. I think it turned out very well, and uh, I I just can't wait to share this with uh, with all of you. Uh, thank you everybody who picked up my other book, my first book, Nine Mile Bridge, last week. It was on sale for free in Kindle on uh, on Amazon, and oh my gosh, I gave away a lot of books. So. Those of you who went and picked up a copy, thank you very much. I really appreciate that you did that. And uh, I hope that uh, those of you who picked it up enjoy the book. And uh, if you didn't get a chance to pick it up, it is still on Kindle Unlimited. Don't forget that Kindle Unlimited right now is still free. You can pick, you can sign up and get two months free of it. So, gosh, I forget how many books it is per month you can, or not, not per month, but how many books you can have rent it out like a library at a time i think it's it's either eight or ten books that you can have rented at a time and i know i've i've got mine full constantly like i'm, I'm constantly uh, got books waiting for me to read and then i'm coming across like oh look there's another book and it's also on kindle unlimited let me grab that one too oh nope i have to put one back so then i'll have to hurry up and finish reading what i'm reading so that i can put the next book back and it's a great service. Um, you know, by all means, give it a try. It's free to try out for two months and you can read, literally read a ton of books in that time for nothing and uh, for nothing but time. So give it a try. Um, I invite you to try Nine Mile Bridge. I know my guest today, Jay, Wil Jay Wilburn, has a bunch of books on Kindle Unlimited. So give those a try as well. And as always, when you find a book that you enjoy, please leave a review. It, it'll mean so much to not just the author, but to the next person who's looking for a book to read. And, you know, they could be reading your review. And, you know, you could have the review that determines whether or not they pick up that book. Hey, I'm getting a little long in the tooth uh, on this. It's going a little longer than I meant for it to. So let's get on over to our ads, starting with the number one writing software, Scrivener. Hey, Scribner and I uh, came to an agreement that we're going to continue our partnership throughout this pandemic. So they are honoring that 20% coupon. 
if you go and you pick up the the regular desktop version you will save 20% on that if you use the code word chapter hey check out this ad for them Jason here hey I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool Scrivener now I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I from the novice to best-selling novelists the reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application and with tools like automatic backup character maps project goals and let's not forget that amazing corkboard you can see why I use Scrivener every day as a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener Writing Software, built by writers for writers. All right, and that was Scrivener. I love it. I use Scrivener, <laughs> I want to say every day, but uh, that's not quite true here lately. I, so I, I actually have had days where I have not opened up my current work in progress, but under normal circumstances, I do write every day in Scrivener, and I love it. I know you will, too. I also want to thank longtime sponsor, UStoreAll. They've been with me from the very beginning, uh, helping me out, been a believer in what this show is and what I'm doing, and I really appreciate everything that they do. They are the number one self-storage facility in the Warrensburg area. With two facilities, both of them fenced in, gated access, and more than 60 cameras recording 24 hours a day, they have all the security you will ever need for self-storage. They also offer climate control and non-climate control. Hey, and not only that, but right now, they have gone out of their way to prepare their facilities for this pandemic. I know the managers go to both facilities every day to wipe down door handles to spray down you know the the common areas where people are most often going to you know the keypads are being wiped down and disinfected they have things set up so that you can go online and you know you're it, I'm not sure if you can rent online yet but that is coming soon uh, but you can call them rent a unit over the phone they'll send you an email with an e-signature form so you can literally do everything remotely now. And you know what? I, I don't know about you, but I think that's a really cool thing to call them because I, I might not have any idea what size unit I really need. This facility has been in place for over 40 years, so they know what they're doing and they know exactly what size would best fit your needs, your storage needs. So give them a call. They'll talk you through it. They'll help you get the uh, the size that you need they're going to get you taken care of and now you can practice your social distancing by signing that contract remotely everything's all done without even having to be right there in front of somebody check them out online at ustoral.net that is the letter u s t o r a l l dot net and thank you as always to my buddy Joey Mills over at popgoesculture.com his network of uh, shows, blogs, feature articles, everything pop culture related is right there at popgoesculture.com. His flagship show, 
Uh, you know, like I said, they were doing a contest on what's the best mascot that wrapped up with, uh, oh my goodness, it slipped my mind. I, th I think it was Kool-Aid Man. I think Kool-Aid Man won. <laughs> You'll have to correct me if I, if I remember that wrong now. I've been very busy since then. But uh, check them out. Uh, now they're doing some interviews with Lego Masters, uh, the people of Lego Masters, which, uh, which is really, really cool. So if you're into that show, uh, check them out. Just, you know, just overall. Go and check out popgoesaculture.com. So many wonderful things to share and to check out. And uh, give some of their shows a listen. You won't regret it. And finally, I want to thank our other network, Project Entertainment Network. They now have t more than 25 shows in the network. Writing-related, author-related, uh, storytelling, comedy debate... Even faith-based, like today's guest, Jay Wilburn, his Matters of Faith podcast is on the uh, on the network as well. So get on over, click the link in the show notes for Project Entertainment, and you can check out more than 25 shows, just like the one you're about to hear an ad for. And then we're going to get on over to our interview with Jay Wilburn. Every person's story has something to teach us, how others view life, how obstacles are overcome, how joy is felt how fears are faced, how love is expressed. The Matters of Faith podcast explores individual stories of people's lives and how faith plays a part. It may not be your story, but it may help shape yours. The Matters of Faith podcast with Jay Wilburn is on Project Entertainment Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of the Sample Chapter podcast. This week, I am, you know, I, I say a lot that I'm excited about our guest, but uh, today is certainly one, because in a roundabout way, he's already been a guest without actually being on the show, and I'll explain that here in a second. Uh, our guest today is Jay Wilburn. Jay is the author of horror and speculative fiction, and he lives in the coastal South Carolina region near Myrtle Beach. He's doing very well following a life-saving kidney transplant, uh, taught public school for 16 years before becoming a full-time writer and his signature series the dead song legend decodeology fun to say and for <laughs> younger readers the lake scatterwood tales jay welcome to the show thanks for having me man i appreciate it my pleasure my pleasure so as i was saying you've kind of in a roundabout way been on the show before long time ago my very first time having armand rosamilia on the show he read from yard full of bones Oh, good. <laughs> so I've had one of your books on here, but this is our first time getting to talk. Nice. That's a lot of that's a lot of cross promotion. I like that. <laughs> yeah, and he had, of course, nothing but uh, good things to talk about you. He'll do that on the air. He says all the mean stuff for when we're in private. Yeah. Yes. Yes. As long as we're not Ryan or uh, or anybody else, then like he says <laughs> good things. <laughs> so tell us, uh, yeah, how how are you doing there in uh, in Carolina? Are you, are you safe and doing well? Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm act being a kidney patient. Um, I'm one of those vulnerable populations. So um, those of you that are having to shelter in place and all that, that's because of me. You're having to do that uh, to keep me safe, and I appreciate it. So I'm, I'm being really careful, and uh, we're actually looking ahead in the sense of, like, even after this is over, I'm probably going to need to continue to to be isolated in, in some fashion. So we're we're looking more toward like possibly a year or of it, maybe even canceling all my appearances and stuff for the rest of the year. 
So that's kind of what we're looking at. Um, generally speaking, it's not that different for us. My wife and I both work from home already, and we homeschool our kids. Um, I can tell it's weighing on them a little bit because they still go out and, you know, hang out with friends and um, do activities outside the house, even though most of my work is here. Um, so life for me hasn't changed a lot, but for them, I can tell um, they're having to make some adjustments. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and another one of the things that you do, and, and we'll bring this up real quick, is you're also a podcaster with your show Matters of Faith. And I caught one of your episodes the other day where I, I'm in the middle of a busy day. I'm like working really hard. And you started talking about this. And I mean, I got to tell you, I stopped and just I was doing nothing else for like a good 10 minutes just listening to you talking about this subject. And like I, I had like I almost teared up a little bit, man. Oh, <laughs> I like I like to make people cry with my words. So that's uh, <laughs> it was anyway, touching. I do that. touching. Good, good. <laughs> good. That that means a lot. Well, it's it's a great show, and uh, I really love the concept. Let us tell us a little bit about the show. Okay, um, matters of faith is is basically it's it, faith is the core of it. But I'll talk to a lot of people. So I, I identify as Christian. Um, my views are a little bit different than, I guess, the traditional Christian. So even people from my own tribe, I don't always see eye to eye with. Uh, um, but I've, I've interviewed people from the same faith as myself. I've interviewed atheists. I've interviewed a Satanist. Um, I've had Jewish people on. I've had uh, more sort of like New Age uh, type um, people of spirituality on. And then sometimes just creators who have like used faith as sort of a subject within their work. Um, so I just have people on and it's not agenda based. So when someone comes on, it's not a debate. Um, I'm not trying to convince them of anything. Uh, being a writer, I'm just interested in stories. So I let people tell their stories and, uh, I've had, I've had pretty good feedback. Like even people that are pretty staunch in their own beliefs are interested in the story they hear about someone else. I think partly because it's not presented as a confrontation. It's just this person tells their experience, which may be different from yours kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think that's very telling that you, you know, you come from a, from one background, but you're willing and open to talking to other people a as a human. I think it helps us grow. Um, not just, not just as a human, but also as a, uh, as an author helps us grow yes. to, to, to speak to people outside our own circles. Right. The thing I'm proudest about anytime I'm writing is if I can capture a character that thinks completely differently from me. So if I can like write somebody that, that is a not necessarily polar opposite, but we just come from different worldviews and I'm able to communicate in that way in a way that sounds logical and consistent and that character's full and that kind of thing. Um, that, that makes me happy. That's when I feel like I've been really successful. So part of it, I'm just, already fascinated by what other people think and it doesn't matter whether i agree with them or not because you know probably i'm wrong on some of the stuff i think anyway uh so being able to take in other people's thoughts and patterns and even when they're sometimes inconsistent we're all inconsistent mm -hmm. um but being able to see other people's flaws and conclusions and that kind of thing i just find fascinating you know inside and outside that podcast oh gosh yes yeah and and I, that's one of the things I really like with the show as well. And I was telling you this before, but I want to make sure my listeners hear this too. Is it's really interesting because whenever you don't have a guest, then you'll read from scripture and then you can kind of dive into that. But then, like you said, whenever you do have a guest, it's 
it's a different kind of conversation because you're talking about, I, I guess it's just kind of their definition of faith, really. Uh, right. What inspires them? Yeah, I think, and part of this has to do with faith getting mixed up in politics, which comes up on the show a lot. Sometimes mm. that's the common ground I find with somebody is, you know, I as a person of faith, I don't think it represents itself well when it's mixed with politics. But um, part of that has resulted in this sort of like narrative that religion and science have to be opposed and faith and reason have to be opposed. And we've just kind of accepted that as sort of the dichotomy. And I don't think it has to be that way. Like a person of reason, a person of science um, doesn't have to pretend that they don't have intuition or that they don't um, take leaps of faith in a non-religious sense. You know, as an author, I've taken leaps of faith in in a way that doesn't necessarily have to do with religion in the sense of like going full time as an author, just kind of going against the evidence to say, well, I'm going to take a shot at this anyway against the odds. And um, for, you know, for when I have somebody on that doesn't identify with a particular faith, usually that's the direction we go. We, we talk about like, how do they come to the conclusions they do? How do they um, find their moral center in the world? You know, how do they find their way forward uh, through problems and that kind of thing? And I think we can all identify with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. That's really, really cool. So how long have you been writing now? Um, I mean, badly since I was a kid. Um, <laughs> and my first, maybe 2010 was the first time I got paid for a story. It was like a little zombie story. And I came in third in a contest of some kind and got like $10. And I got a check. Uh, and it, the uh, info line on the check said, Four zombies, and uh, it was it was kind of the name of the of the anthology. But it was it was kind of funny to get that check and say you know this money was for writing about zombies or whatever. And uh, full time, I uh, started doing that around 2013. So I quit my teaching job and just took a chance on it, and uh, have been writing full time ever since. So uh, since 2013, I've been doing it for a living you know, slowly building up that career into, you know, something respectable that pays the bills and that kind of thing. Now, I have to ask, too, now this is, I find it really, really interesting that you have a Christian base and Christian beliefs, but you've got some pretty wild books. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Where does that come from? Well, I've accepted hypocrisy as sort of a lifestyle. So, like, (laughs) when two things in my life contradict, I don't, I, I sort of lean into that instead of trying to reconcile them. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no real effort in my life to like make the horror comport with, you know, my religious beliefs or that kind of thing. And then again, like I find people that think differently more interesting than I find people who think the same as me. So most of my characters come from, you know, a different viewpoint than me. And then even, even with the way I came to Christianity, some of the things I went through in my life, I always sort of identified with the darker aspects of it. We've, you know, uh, religion is often, especially, you know, modern Western American Christianity is often presented, you know, in these sort of pastel colors that are um, easily consumed by children and that kind of thing. But again, it's a it's a religion based on crucifixion, which is the probably the most violent form of execution ever invented by human beings. So it's a, it's you know, there's all this blood symbolism and that kind of thing and demonology and you know all these things that you can dive into that are almost more horror than they are children's stories. So again, even when I, when I look at that, I, I do that in that way. But then I just sort of write the story I want to write. 
and I sort of accidentally moved into more of like the extreme horror and splatterpunk and stuff. When I got nominated for a, a splatterpunk award, that became like this, you know, it, it's it's sort of my biggest accomplishment kind of thing. So I had to promote it. So it, it was sort of weird that that was coming out at the same time that I was working on other softer things. Like the, the same time I was starting to get into writing for children and that kind of thing. But then, you know, this award comes out at the same time. So even that's a contradiction. Um, but I guess in a sense, I just, I, I write this, I try to write the best story I can in whatever direction I'm going. And sometimes, you know, the more gory and splatter and violence is, is the more interesting way to explore a particular idea. Hmm. I, I, that's, that's fascinating to me because I had an idea and I've got a few chapters of it that I wrote like 20 years ago <laughs> about a, uh, a Christian werewolf. A guy, a guy. <laughs> and it's you know it's a period piece from like the you know knights and shining armor kind of days right sort of thing so that's where how i was uh, relating it and thinking this guy with a kingdom that used to be christian that crossed over and then this guy has a moral awakening one day and in the story god was using him as a werewolf to win back the kingdom and it's i don't know i got to a point where i was just like i don't know where i'm going with this and, <laughs> you know and this was 20 years ago i was not writing a lot at the time i was just kind of ex exploring with it but i still have it it's in a drawer here and one of these days maybe i'll open it up and and revisit that and see because it's i find it to be an interesting idea but i would have no idea what to do with it from there <laughs> It's odd if you if you play out the traditional tropes like vampires and werewolves and that kind of thing. There's a lot of religious symbology in there. So if you if you go a traditional direction and you say, well, crosses stop them and that kind of thing, you kind of have to explore. Well, why is that? Is it no, you know is it we just we impart it on there, or does it mean that there's really something to this? You know, to where these you now have two diametrically opposed sides or that kind of thing. I wrote um, Vampire Christ is one of the books I wrote that was sort of political and religious satire. I started it on my Patreon page and then the first book came out um, and was received pretty well. But, you know, using vampires as sort of a symbol of all the corruption that you find when religion and politics mix and that kind of thing. So um, whether you believe in faith or not, you know, sometimes it becomes good fodder for a, a horror story. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So tell us about uh, what was one of your, your first uh, books that really took off for you? Oh, well, each one kind of took you a direction. The very first book I wrote was Loose Ends, and that came out with a publisher that no longer exists. Mm. And if, um, it did okay uh, at the time. You know, it kind of got me started in that kind of thing. Uh, a lot of things sort of kicked off now. Uh, the recent thing I released was a trilogy of um, – young adult fantasy novels where I kind of mixed a little bit of horror and with, with the high fantasy story. And that was the maidens of zombie kingdom and right now. That's, that's making me the most money. And then recently the, the Lake Scatterwood tales, which are really softer books. Uh, they're for elementary and middle school. I guess you could compare them to goosebumps, but it's much softer horror than that. Uh, and those, those are doing really, really well too right now. So I, I think those are kind of the two that are, sort of uh, stabilizing for me. And, and sometimes I'm getting readers in other directions, I think, from those. Like maybe more of the parents that are buying them or looking into some of my other books. Yeah, I was just looking through here on Amazon, and oh my gosh, is this six, seven releases this year already, starting with uh, The Hidden Truth that you did with Armand again. You yeah. Guys are, and yeah. you guys are frequent uh, collaborators. 
We do. We're usually working on something. So like we're either in the, in the process of drafting it or, you know, shopping it or that kind of thing. Um, one of the advantages of us working together is we've, we've sort of found like a middle voice. Mm. So, um, he's, he's more of a pulp writer and I don't mean that as an insult. I, I just mean that's sort of his style and I love that style. I read all his books. Um, and, and my language kind of gets a little more flowery sometimes. I'll get more into the symbols and that kind of thing. <laughs> and so, um, we, we sort of found a middle ground when we write together and we sort of push each other to write better. Uh, we're both very prolific, so we're always working on multiple things. And when we're working on the novel together, it usually doesn't get in the way of other things we're doing. So he'll finish a chapter and pass it off to me, and eventually I'll get onto it and write my chapter and pass it back to him. And eventually we've written a whole novel um, in between writing everything else. Uh, so we, The Hidden Truth was one we were pretty proud of. And part of that rapid release schedule was just I'd been working on a number of things, and Hidden Truth was with a publisher, and so that came out of a particular time. And then I released uh, Maidens at the beginning of the year at the same time, and I did all three books at once. Yeah. So I went ahead. I went ahead and wrote the entire trilogy, edited the whole thing, got art done for all three at the same time, and then put them all back up at once as just a complete series. So um, some of that had to do with the market. There's a lot of young adult readers that don't want to begin a series till it's done. So I sort of released it done, and uh, I think that's helped sales a lot. Um, so some of that, you know, I think you could almost look at that as one release, even though it's three books. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, that's part of it. And then. Also, the Lake Scatterwood books, four and five, came out at the beginning of this year. So it, it became a, a big, a big pileup of books all at once. <laughs> so, all right. So for the the authors out there listening to this, because I know we got a lot of authors that listen. The, I, I, this is interesting and something that, uh, for me selfishly, I'm really curious about. So you did the uh, Maidens of Zombie Kingdom, and I mean they came out two days apart from each other, uh, 26th, yeah. the 28th, and the 30th, book one, two, and three. Right. Uh, you had that, and then you've also got your Lake Scatterwoods, which is book four, and, uh, oh gosh, I don't see when the last one was. Sometime last year, I guess, was the uh, book three. How do you feel about the um, that rapid release? Because I'm, I'm looking at this myself. I've got three books in a trilogy. Well, it's going to be more than a trilogy, but I've got, I'm doing them in trilogy parts, or three books at a time. Yeah, that's that's a good idea. Do you think this worked out really well for you, doing it this quickly together, or do you think uh... it it did this time? And part of it again was it was a genre choice. Like mm -hmm. I just I, I knew how I'd been paying attention to how young adult readers read, and again, young adult readers aren't always young adults. Mm -hmm. um, but for the genre, um, it, again, it's not universal. A lot of them are um, rabid readers, avid readers, and um, a lot of them are completists, like they'll read everything in the series. A lot of them are rapid readers in the sense that they'll run through the books very quickly and then read them again. Um, and then again, there's this, there's this smaller portion of them that don't start a series until it's done. And so I was trying to sort of capture as many of those people as I could. Uh, I did the same thing with uh, Lake Scatterwood. I did the first three books um, before I released them and then released them all at once. And so then four and five have come out this year. And, um, again, part of that was the choice with the children's reading. If I only have one children's book out and it's called a series, uh, parents are kind of wary of that. You know, it's like, well, I'm spending money on books already. Do I get my kids excited about book one in the series and this author doesn't produce anything else? So having three out at once helped with that 
um, market because again, it looks, oh, well, this is an active series. It's happening. And so again, then now getting books four and five out, I sort of built on people that were already reading the first three over the last year. Yeah. I, I think you have, you, you've got to have a really interesting time talking to somebody who's being introduced to you for the first time. And they say, well, what do you think I should read? Because <laughs> <laughs> you've got quite the, you know, whether it's young adult or children's or something, uh, splatterpunk, uh, there, there's quite the variety. Yeah, usually I try to gauge the person, so I'm, I'm sort of trying to get them um, to something. Uh, if it's very general, sometimes the stuff I've written with Armand uh, appeals to a wide audience, so it's sometimes a good introduction. Like if they read one of those books, they're very likely to come to other things I've read. Mm -hmm. um, the young adult one's working pretty well with me there. I don't know if it, some people just respond to the title and seem to like all already want to read it just based on the title, which I found interesting. And then some people, just the young adult is a good entry point. Like it feels safer for them. So I've had a lot of people jump in on that. Um, so yeah, it, it just, it kind of depends on the person. I like doing book recommendations anyway, not just of my books, but of like other people's that I've read. So I kind of have what I do online a lot of times is just look at who's asking for book recommendations. And then I look at, you know, their profile or what I can get from them to kind of figure out what they're into and then suggest a book of somebody's I've read. Um, so I, so I really kind of enjoy that. I enjoy that online a lot more than, you know, talking about politics or anything else. You are really quick about that. I always see that for some reason it's like, I, I see that notice after the post has been up for about 21 hours. It seems to be that, I don't know what it is about 21 hours. That's like what it always hits when I see the post. Somebody says, Hey, I'm looking for book recommendations. What you got? And there's Jay Warburton like this and, and commented on it. And I'm yeah. going, doggone it, man. And I go, hey, uh, check out the show. There's lots of authors here. That's usually my answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I just, I also, I guess, you know, you, you can always self promote and that kind of thing, which kind of becomes white noise. And, you know, all these yeah. authors, all of us are trying to get our books across. And what we really need, what, what really helps is somebody else saying, oh, I like this author's book. Yeah. And I know for a fact that, like, pushing books that I've liked has really helped particular authors. I know they've sold more books from me doing that. And, um, you know, I actually like the books and read them so it, it doesn't hurt and, uh, it doesn't take anything away from me to, to spend some time, you know, pushing another author and that kind of thing. So I've, I've enjoyed doing it. It makes me feel better. You know, a lot of people come away from social media kind of feeling dirty and angry and that kind of thing. And, and, and like Twitter particularly, feels like one of those zones it kind of feels like a wasteland because there's a lot of that on there but when i started basically spending my twitter time going and just seeing who's asking for book recommendations and recommending them a lot more positive conversations you know a lot of people coming back and saying oh i love that you know what else do you did you like and i said well i like this person's book but i also wrote this you know i'll like sneak one of those in too and um i just i just have a better time online doing that it just seems like a more positive use of my time you are a very generous guy. I, I definitely have to say, you, you are never short of recommending somebody else's book. So that's really, really cool of you. Well, it, it helps all of us, I think. You know, if someone's already reading anyway, you know, just steer them into into those of us trying to make a living at it. Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree. I mean, it was. I often tell people like, you know, they ask about the show and what was the idea. And it's like, well, to be perfectly honest, the show originally to get people to know me and my writing. Right. 
and it quickly became something so much more and it's like I, I love lifting other authors and giving them this chance to talk to people because I, I you know I've got listeners all over the world and I never know how many books somebody sold because of the show or whatever but boy that'd be a lot a lot of fun to uh, hear one these days <laughs> yeah yeah it can't hurt yeah absolutely I'm still waiting for that one uh, Amazon review oh I found this book because of the sample chapter podcast <laughs> nailed it there we go <laughs> <laughs> well so what are you working on now um, I'm actually again doing three books in, a, in, a, in another middle grade series that I'm looking at um, releasing next year sometime uh, it's sort of a time travel type thing and uh, again I'll, I'll do the first three of those books that'll be firmly middle grades uh, Lake Scatterwood's selling pretty well with the with middle grades market but it's um, I originally wrote it because my son was having trouble reading and because of that he had trouble finding stuff that was interesting to him to read and so I wrote the books specifically to keep him entertained but to make him read and then then it became the series that I released uh, but so that one's even though middle grades uh, students like it, it's it's written lower so that people that are struggling reading can get it. Uh, but this one will be firmly middle grades, uh, so it's it's clean like a middle grades uh, novel, but a little a little bit higher level than what like Scatterwood is. And so um, I'm I'm writing it now, but it'll be next year probably before I before I look at releasing it. Okay, all right. And you seem to have a few. Uh, anthologies that you do every year. Any any of those coming up? Uh, nothing recently. Uh, used to, like early on when I first started writing full time, like I was always pumping out a short story. I would I would submit it to everything, and it sort of became a joke among my peers <laughs> that I was in everything. Um, so I don't do that as much. Uh, most of the time, I I can do the ones that I'm invited to, and so I'll put together a story for those. I'm always, almost always writing short stories. A lot of them end up on Patreon or, you know, I, I recently released my own uh, short story collection and uh, some of them were in there. Uh, but I don't, I don't really have any um, anthologies coming up uh, anytime soon. I'm, I'm still always working on something, so who knows what might end up in one. Very cool, very cool. All right, so today we are hearing from Maidens of Zombie Kingdom, book one. And I got to say, when I first saw this, I thought it was a graphic novel. Uh, oh, cool! At that cover, <laughs> I, I thought, oh my gosh, you're doing graphic novels, and then, oh wait, no, okay, this is a novel. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Luke Spooner does the art for most of my um, uh, self-published stuff, and I, I just love him as an artist. He, and again, he ranges because again, he does the art for like Scatterwood too, which is more cartoonish and soft uh, for younger readers, and then you know he does the the um, dead song books, which are, which are, you know, skulls and blood and all that kind of stuff. So he's, he's a very versatile artist and I give him, I give him a lot of work. Um, but yeah, I love the covers he does because I really have no artistic ability in that sense. So like I can look at a cover and say, I like it, but I can't describe a cover and say, Oh, this is the image I want. So I just sort of let him read the book and then do whatever he wants. And I know it's going to be great. So hey, I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy with these covers and apparently they, they appeal to readers because they're selling pretty well. Oh, that's awesome. Well, well, tell us, uh, what can what can uh, readers expect from the uh, Maidens of Zombie Kingdom? Okay, it's a high fantasy, um, it's a high fantasy uh, world, uh, but a zombie plague sort of breaks out into it. And as you go through the books, um, there's some magical elements behind it that you learn more about in books two and three. 
Um, book one is very largely uh, the characters surviving. Um, all the main characters are female, and they come from different aspects of this sort of feudal um, royal society, and they're sort of forced together to, to find a way to survive. Um, the main character, all of them kind of get their own chapters and stuff, but the main character is a princess named Darn. She kind of has is pushed into a role of leadership, having to sort of rebuild the kingdom at 16 years old uh, because this, this zombie plague has uh, destroyed everything, basically. And as she's sort of trying to find a way to survive, she's pushed into that leadership role. Awesome. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I was just reading the description on uh, book one while you were talking about it, too. I was just like, wow. I, I, it's like you said, it's not just young adults that read this. This sounds amazing. Yeah, it's uh, young adult literature in general has um, become a little more robust in the sense that um, you can, I don't know if rougher is the is the right word, but there can be more romantic elements. There's not a lot of that in this one, but there could be a, a little more peril, a little, uh, I don't know if violence is the right word, but a little more violence. And so that kind of opened the door to sort of slip a little bit of, of zombie storytelling into one of these. Uh, there's there's some there's some gore in this, but I you know I and there's some gore in the chapter that I'm going to read. But again, I tried to pick my moments, so it's not it's not the same level that you would see in the Dead Song Legend, which is is firmly adult. Um, but again, like young adult has come a long way in terms of what they're exploring and that kind of thing. So that kind of opened the door for me to be able to put together a series that would work. I, I got to read this line here real quick. Enter okay. <laughs> a world of fantasy, adventure, princesses, knights, swords, magic, monsters, and zombies. Only hope will be found in the Maidens of Zombie Kingdom. The adventure begins. This is awesome, yeah, I, man. <laughs> I, I have so much trouble with back cover copy. <laughs> like, and, and I know that's a universal with um, with authors. And I notice it the most when, when Armand and I are having to do a book. Um, because we do, I think we do a great job of putting the story together and then working out the continuity. And then we get to the back cover copy and it's almost like a, a hot potato kind of thing that we don't want to deal with. <laughs> well, I, I love that. I was, I was caught that and I'm looking at it and I just, for me, it was a throwback to the eighties of uh, yeah, yeah. The, the cartoons growing up with the like dragons and Dungeons and Dragons cartoons and stuff like that. I was just, I was hearing that voice. Yeah, uh, yeah, we did all the narration back in the eighties. Like, oh, the adventure begins. I was like, oh, yeah, I gosh, was, this sounds cool. I was, I ran that, I ran this back cover copy by a lot of people. I, I actually had more people read the back cover copy than the actual books. <laughs> um, trying to get it right because you know, again, it, it was a little bit of a new audience, and I wanted to, you know, catch people's attention. I even, you know, contacted friends and had like their, their like, um, their daughters who who read these kind of books read through and critique me. And uh, they were actually the roughest, though they they gave the the absolute most vicious critiques. But it helped it helped shape the uh, the back cover copy pretty good. But they uh, they know what they like and what they don't like. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, where can where can people find and follow you? Okay, I am. Uh, you can go to jaywilburn.com. I sell signed books from there, uh, and of course, you can look me up on Amazon. Uh, coming up, I have um, uh, a series that I'm helping write with uh, Crystal Lake. And so if you go to patreon.com slash CLP for Crystal Lake Publishing, 
coming up in April, uh, the Stillwater Bay series is coming out. And uh, the first, the first, they call them episodes. The first episode of that is going to be April 27th, and that one's free. So you can check that one out and then um, decide if you want to be on board. And it's, it's, it's growing into something big. Eventually there'll be audio um, books to them. There'll be other media tie-ins and eventually they'll be doing possibly two episodes a month as the, um, as the readership grows and that kind of thing. So if you're, if you're looking for some good entertainment, uh, Crystal Lake Publishing's Patreon's a good place to go. I already support that one at $7, uh, even, even before they, they brought me onto it as a staff writer. Uh, they just have really great stuff on there. That's awesome. And how often does Matters of Faith come out? Uh, every Monday we have an episode come out. Fantastic. Fantastic. Jay, this has been great, man. This has been everything I had hoped for and so much more to, <laughs> <laughs> to finally get the chance to talk to you. And uh, like, like I said online, you've been on my short list for a long time and just looking for the opportunity. So when you, you mentioned something online, I was like, oh, I'm jumping. Let's go. Let's do it. So, That's great, man. I'm so happy that uh, that you've been here, man. Thank you so much for, for uh, joining the show. I appreciate it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, time for me to step aside. We're going to hear Jay Wilburn reading from his young adult zombie book, Chivalry is Dead, Maidens of Zombie Kingdom, book one. All right, and this is chapter three, uh, Princess Darn's Abandoned Halls and Nora's Cabinet. Darn stayed ahead of Thomas as she made her way down the passages and through corridors. She heard voices and shouts. Some seemed to be coming from the walls themselves. Others drifted in from outside. And she thought then that maybe she should have glanced out her window. Sure, she thought, between my brother bleeding out and turn himself turning into a ghoul and fighting off the cook who was trying to eat me, I'll just have a glance out the window. The sound of struggles vibrated through the stone above her head. Maybe more ghouls or maybe some evil wizards who controlled them. Who was fighting upstairs? Who was being attacked and turned into a monster the way Thomas had been? He must still be behind her, but she did not venture to look. She needed to find who exactly. Suddenly she couldn't think or remember where her brothers or sisters were. Which floors were their rooms on? Where was her father? She should probably find him, but what about the children? Her siblings, her nieces and nephews? No, they weren't all here. Fulleris was on a trip. Thomas was supposed to be, too. Was it the same trip? She couldn't remember. Her father was sometimes away. Was he gone, and was that horrid woman with him? Maybe they took the children. She hoped so. Thomas was dead, and Floris was away. That left Philip, Alexander, and Stephanie, all two years apart from one another. Stephanie was ten. She might be okay. They might all be. Thomas was seventeen, though, and he was not okay. Nora was the youngest at seven. She needed somebody. Darn needed to find her. There were no guards protecting them from the servants turned ghoul. Maybe the guards were turned, too. She imagined knights and guards covered in blood and wandering the high palace in search for more. She shuddered and kept going. She avoided stairs which led up. The children and her family might be up there. The castle was under attack. The family was to be taken up, and the knights stood in all the stairways to fight off the invaders to the last man. It had never happened before, though. Never before now. The words escaped her lips before she, without her realizing no one was guarding the stairs, so going up felt like a trap. Against all her instincts and all her instructions from growing up as a princess and daughter of the regent, she was heading down and trying to escape the walls of the palace. One of them lurched out of a doorway, darn dodged under and around its reach. The buckles around the man's armor were broken away, the clothing underneath completely torn out from the right shoulder and neck. She could see bone through his wounded chest 
Instead of bite marks, the flesh was bitten clean through to the muscle along the shoulder and back. As the guard turned to pursue the princess, he had missed. She saw that his throat was ripped apart worse than Thomas's had been. Instead of growling like the cook had, the guard let out hisses through his ruined throat. His beard glistened with blood as the jaw opened and closed. As if that weren't enough to confirm his state, she saw his eyes and knew what he was now. More ghouls in servant uniforms staggered out from the alcove where the guard had emerged. She prepared to run, but then saw Stephanie against the wall in the midst of the monsters. Stephanie! All the creatures turned their pale eyes on Darn now. She had nothing to brain them with now that Thomas's sword was broken back in her bedchamber. She saw the sheath for the guard's sword was empty. Maybe his sword was lying around somewhere, but she had no time to look. Stephanie, I'm coming. Darn dodged around the guard again, holding her dress to avoid getting tripped up. She ran toward the ghouls instead of down and away like she wanted to do. They reached for her as she led them back up and away from the alcove. They spread out across the hall from wall to wall, blocking her path back to her sister and to the exits. She was headed back towards Thomas as well, she knew. Darn moved toward one of the walls and stopped. Her heart thudded in her chest, and her legs ached with the acidic burn from running and from the need to run. She forced herself to stay still as the monsters closed on her position, with arms outstretched and jaws working open and closed. The others moaned at her as the guard leading the way simply hissed. They drew closer and the ghouls clumped together on the side of the hallway where Darn stood. She forced herself to wait in place another couple seconds until the guard's jagged fingernails stretched for her throat. Darn sprang and ran out from the wall. The ghouls made slow turns, but their hands were still so close. They jostled one another to get to her as Darn ran around them and back toward the vacated alcove. Princess Stephanie had emerged and leaned against the wall, waiting for Darn to return. She was still in her night clothes. It would be difficult to run, but there was no time to pack. Come on, Stephanie. Darn took her sister by the wrist. We have to flee now. It isn't safe here. Stephanie raised her dead, pale eyes and opened her jaws. She came at Darn's arm, teeth first. Darn let go of her cold wrist and stumbled back from the snapping teeth. The nightgown was bloodied and torn across the midsection. Through it, Darn saw her sister's wounded belly, which looked to be torn by both teeth and hands. Knotted ropes of purple bowel showed through the wound, and Darn felt her stomach swirl with illness, even though she had eaten nothing yet today. Her half-sister was so little. Darn could remember her being small enough to hold in one arm. She remembered Stephanie as a baby better than she remembered her own mother, taken away when she was three years old. Stephanie grabbed for her, but Darn shoved hard into Stephanie's chest with both hands. Stephanie's teeth snapped together with a hard clack, and she stumbled back against the wall. The dead eyes came up, unhurt from the alcove. Her sister pursued again. As the rest of the monsters caught up to the scuffle between sisters, Darn turned and ran for the next set of downward-leading stairs. Something beat from within one of the cabinets inside the alcove, and a small voice cried out, Stephanie, are you still there? You said you wouldn't leave me. Darn stopped and turned. Nora, oh no. Darn, where's Stephanie? She told me not to come out until she said it was safe. It may never be safe again, Darn thought. The guard and Stephanie reached for Darn again. She shoved Stephanie down to the ground at the guard's feet, tripping him as well. The others growled as they closed on Darn. She dodged around in between them. She felt their fingers brush her arm and claw against her loose hair. She kept going until she reached the wall, and then she ran toward the alcove again. Hold on, Nora, I'm coming. That's what I told Stephanie, and look how that turned out, she thought. Darn charged into the alcove and slammed into the oak doors of the cabinet. She pulled at the handles and rattled them, but they wouldn't give. Nora screamed inside. Darn shouted, Nora, it's me. Open the doors. 
Nora was still screaming. Darn stole a glance over her shoulder to see the moth closing on the alcove. She didn't know if there was an exit deeper inside the space, but she doubted it. Nora, you have to open the doors now. We're running out of time. We need to go. Nora was crying, but not screaming anymore. Stephanie said to stay in here until she told me to come out. Stephanie can't. It's okay, Nora. I'm here now. Stephanie wants me to get you to safety, but you have to open these doors right now or it'll be too late. The heels of Darn's hands stung as she gripped the cabinet handles tight, but she couldn't remember how she hurt them. Darn only heard growls and hisses and shuffling feet behind her. It was already too late. She felt the emergency latch give from the inside. If her hands hadn't been on the handle, she would have missed it altogether. Darn ripped both doors open and threw them aside with a crash as they reached the limit of their hinges. Nora cowered against the back wall between the hanging waistcoats. Some shirts and trousers lay like crumpled under her shoes. She was dressed in pants and a blouse already. Her mother might have been planning to take her riding by the look of it. It would have been better for Nora and probably Stephanie, too, if they had made it out a little earlier that morning for their ride. Nora's eyes showed bright and alive and terrified as her dark hair framed her little face. She held her arms in front of her face as if Darn were the monster. There was no time to reassure her. Darn reached in and dragged Nora out of the cabinet with the force the ghouls might have used if they had gotten there first. She turned to find their exit filled and dead eyes fixed on both of them. A pair of trousers got folded up and pinned between them as Darn held her sister. Nora yelled, it isn't safe. Why did you get me out? We have to go. Darn set Nora on the ground beside her, and the little girl wrapped her bigger sister's leg in both arms through her dress. The pair of trousers clutched to Nora's side like she were holding a security blanket. Darn braced herself against the wall and pushed against the cabinet. It screeched as the weight slid an inch across the flagstones. The cabinet tilted, and Darn pressed her shoulder to the wall as she continued to push. The tall piece went over and collapsed toward its face. Nora screamed again as the cabinet crashed into the bodies filling the alcove. The sound of the crash roared around them in the tight space. A few of the creatures were pinned underneath. Others tripped on the fallen furniture. Darn grabbed up Nora in her arms again. She had to rip the little girl's grip away from her leg. She bounded over the back of the cabinet with Nora in her arms and ran toward the light. Stephanie stood at the back of the group and had avoided the cabinet. She made the first turn and tried to attack her still-living sisters. Darn was angry at the dark magic at work within poor Stephanie's body. This was not her sister any longer, and she hated the ghoul which had taken over the body. Stephanie had put Nora in the cabinet, though, and fought to her death against the ghouls to protect their little sister with her final act. Even as the ghoul reached for them, Darn felt more respect and sorrow for Stephanie than she'd ever thought possible. Darn turned Nora away and threw a shoulder into Stephanie's side. She heard the teeth snap together next to her ear. Stephanie's head slammed against the wall, and she slid down to the floor. As Darn ran out into the hall, she hoped the impact was enough to destroy what Stephanie had become. When the ghoul climbed back to her feet, Darn gave up that hope. Thomas stepped into view from further up the passage and reached for the girls, even though they were well out of reach for now. Nora raised her head and said, Stephanie and Thomas are sick. We need to help them. Darn turned away with Nora. We have to go. They're sick with something we can't help, and we have to get away before they make us sick. She ran for the stairs without turning back. And that was Jay Wilburn reading a sample chapter from book one of his young adult novel series, Maidens of Zombie Kingdom. Oh my gosh, that was incredible. It really had me on the edge of my seat uh, following along with his heroine. Click the link in the show notes to check out the book and to find out more about Jay and all of his other books. Don't forget to also click the link in the show notes 
for our sponsors and friends alike. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out next week when I come back with an all new author, a brand new book, and a new sample chapter. Take care everybody. I'm going to be back again real, real soon. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.